So I set it upon myself to try to find out how can we help the people that can barely, that can almost afford real estate, um, or the, you know, a lot of these middle class families that that can't that can't afford real estate. How do we get them into the ownership model? How do we get them benefits of what these wealthy people get? The equity, the benefits of leveraging a loan to build their net worth, the tax write offs. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Franco Perez. Uh, Franco grew up in a family with unstable housing situation and he's on a mission to create affordable housing in Silicon Valley, which I feel like those two things seem like they don't go together. So I'm uh, pretty, pretty excited to um, dive into this. But um, Franco, I, I just want to start stop there. I, I want to say thank you. I, I really appreciate the time that you've taken to, to come on the show today. I'm excited to hear your story. So, so thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. And, and I'm excited as well. And we will start with just getting your background. Tell us, tell us about yourself. Fill, fill us in on your your story and what brought you to real estate, and um, we'll just go from there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, long story short, immigrant family from the Philippines. Um, grew up around 17, 18 years old uh, with immigrant parents. At 17, 18, they divorced. My dad was the main breadwinner, really, and and he. There's a weird situation where he left and fled the country. Uh, and then I had to drop out of school to support my single mom, my younger sister. And I remember it was one of the hardest times of my life. So it actually was the hardest time of my life. And I remember at the end of every single month, even working the two jobs that I was working, I had to, I couldn't make ends meet just to pay the the rent. And that was so painful. I, I even borrowed money from friends just to keep up with this rat race of renting. And I, I remember thinking to myself, why is it this difficult? Why is life like this? I feel like I'm a good person. I feel like I don't deserve this. And why are others able to be financially free and and we're not? And um, one thing after the other, I... I thought I was going to be a graphic designer, but I was doing that for a real estate company. I asked for a raise. They said, we can't pay more for marketing, but we can teach you how to sell. So I got into being a real estate agent. I did a ton of door knocking, ton of cold calling out of desperation just to, just to make ends meet. And, and I think it was a, it was, I was in survival mode, which is what really got me that grit and that thick skin of doing what I needed to do to make that commission. Um, after that became a great agent, got a bit financially secure. And, and after a few years, I ended up hating being a real estate agent because I felt like I was just helping the wealthiest people I could help, uh, get the most expensive homes that they could. And, and I had to turn away the people that were in my shoes when I was going through that pain point. It was, 
I had to tell them, hey, unfortunately, you don't make enough. Unfortunately, you don't have enough saved down as a down payment. You can save more and make more and come back to me later. And that hurt me inside, knowing that in many cases, they're not going to be able to come back with rising prices. And, and nobody's out there trying to help these people. So I set it upon myself to try to find out how can we help the people that can barely, that can almost afford real estate um, or the, you know, a lot of these middle-class families that, that can't, that can't afford real estate. How do we get them into the ownership model? How do we get them benefits of what these wealthy people get? The equity, the benefits of leveraging a loan to build their net worth, the tax write-offs, um, a lot of these, elements like appreciation that's only accessible to the rich, to people like them. And I accidentally came across mobile homes um, and come to find out, I go into these parks and I, I meet the people, I understand the asset class and it's not what I expected. I assumed that mobile home parks were like trailer trash was only for criminals and that sort of thing. And that's the associations that we all think. Um, but come to find out these are great people and these are these homes and these communities are actually great places. And it's a great stepping stone for people to get out of that rental rat race and into their first step of building wealth. And long story short, I know, I know it was a long, long story already, but we are now helping people get out of that rental rat race into owning their own uh, mobile home and then getting out of that into purchasing single family. And then after that, we're now converting a lot of old mobile homes, old 700 square feet mobile homes into large 2000 square foot, 12 foot high ceiling homes with quartz countertops, stainless steel appliances, and as modern as could be. And that's really where we're at today. After we've built our few concepts, now it's it's been a very popular thing. Park owners reach out to us to convert their their units from old to new. We have residents that reach out to us to convert their old units to new. And and that's kind of what grew our business to where we're at today. That uh, that's fascinating. I mean the, the business model is fascinating, but your your life story too. I, I want to start there. I really want to start with you know so I, I think that a lot of us are driven by the experiences we had as uh you know young as either children as adults you know you, you had to be a part of you know sort of supporting the family at a, at an age where that's i guess not supposed to be what <laughs> what you have to do but um you did what you needed to do to help your family and i i think that that certainly um is one of those things that will will impact you and has impacted you in sort of this path when you you know, sort of, so you, you started as a graphic designer, you, you were with a real estate agency at, within their marketing team. Is that kind of how that was working? And then, yep. and then, okay. And so then you said, I, I need to make more and, and like, okay, well let then get out there and sell the, the skills exactly. that you learned as a real estate agent and, and was, I, I would imagine that, you know, as you said, it was out of desperation, but like, probably very valuable to you sort of moving forward those those skills i'd i'd say so there's a lot of elements to what you to that moment that that happened there and i think one of the big big key things to point out is i because i was so poor and i was so desperate 
I, I had to be resourceful. I didn't have money. I didn't have training. I didn't have anything. I had to learn, Hey, if what I'm doing isn't making sense, how do I learn how to sell? How do I learn how to get a sale? You know, and, and I had to be resourceful and I learned everything I could about, about how to communicate, how to speak to clients, how to, how to guide and consult through YouTube and through podcasts and through eBooks, right? I, I didn't get to go to a formal college or anything like that. I had to learn everything that way. And it might've been through books like Tony Robbins or how to win in or influence people. Right. And, and through the desperation of needing this is what got me that sense of resourcefulness. And I knew that as I was before this all happened, I was, I always thought I was doing the best that I can to grow, but until I was in survival mode, that's when I was like, shoot, if I don't make, Next month's rent, we're homeless. And not just me, but my younger sister isn't going to have a home. My mom's not going to have a home. And, and knowing that I had to do this is what got me to have to learn how do I how do I make this work to support my family, right? And, and I, I find with a lot of successful people that I know often – have this weird revelation at this really hard time just like that. And even though knowing it was the hardest point of my life and during that time, it was a hard depression time, I'm so grateful that I went through that because I know I wouldn't be as motivated as I am today to want to make a difference in other people's, in other families as well, right? And and knowing that I went through that pain is what got me to be as strong as I am today and as as energetic and as passionate as I am today right yeah I'm and I'm sure that I mean that makes sense I think you know using that the the feeling the difficult times the feelings that you had in the past using that as motivation sort of moving forward and in in helping other people it's it's great I, I think one thing you said there that I think is um worth sort of pointing out to listeners is you said you know you didn't have a way to learn how to be in sales or, you know, sort of do all gain these skills and use podcasts and YouTube and all of that. And you didn't mention mentorship, which whether that was on purpose or, or you, maybe you have mentors, I don't know, but, but what I wanted to point out to people is, is that like, if, if you want it badly enough, if it matters enough, like never has that information been more available, right? It's like you have, as you said, podcasts, YouTube, books, whatever you need to to get the skills that you want, especially in like marketing and sales. Like it's just, it's such a big mm-hmm. topic right now. It, it's just out there and and just your willingness to um consume the information and, and put it to work. Right. And that's that's what you did. You you didn't you didn't just read about it a bunch or listen to a bunch of podcasts. You actually went out there and, and put it to work and used it to to pay rent, put food on the table, that kind of thing. So I think it's an important important point for people to just understand that it is it is there. It is it is accessible for us, the the information. So it's it's not it's not a lack of information. It's it's um you know the willingness to go and then you know put it to use did you did you have any like mentors in, in this uh i assume you're in a brokerage and you you know as you went from sort of the marketing side to sales nobody wants to take you under their wing or teach teach you the ropes <laughs> at all 
You, you know, it's interesting. I get this question a lot and it's kind of sad the way I look at it too. It's like, you know, and, and, and it's a lot of, to do with kind of how I want to change things as well is that when you're where I was, where I was poor, I didn't really have guidance and I didn't have a mentor and I, I wish I did. Um, but in a weird way, I acted as if these people on YouTube were my mentors, as if uh, Tony Robbins was my mentor, as if there's this guy, there's this coach, Tom Ferry is my mentor. And I took it, I took every grain of information that they had and took it to heart. Right. And, and listening to the stories of somebody that was able to get out of this pain point and to be able to work with grit and, and be able to make things work. Right. And I know that it, it, it was only until like in the later stages, once I finally did have, so once I was established and once I was kind of starting a business that I had some people to reach out to, to, for some mentorship. But I, I mentioned that because I don't want feel, I, I notice a lot of people are like, feel like they need a mentor to succeed. They, they need mm -hmm. somebody around them to succeed where the truth of it is, it's kind of all in our head. And if we, we can learn it through books, if we can learn it through podcasts, it is possible to do that too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a great point. I think even, even if you have, have a mentor, right? Like some people will go out, pay for a mentorship program, but if you don't put the information to work, you don't, you don't, you know, sort of take action with that information. It doesn't help you any more than not having it. And conversely, maybe you can't afford to pay a mentor or you don't have someone in your life. That's going to be that, that person. So you could stop, you could give up, you could use that as a, as an excuse or a limiting belief, but, but you didn't, you, you went ahead and you found other ways to find the information. And so I just think that that's, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it's, it, it, you need, you need to take action with whatever resources you have and, you know, kind of figure it out along the way it, it, to some extent. So I think, I think it's just a great example, you know, what, what you did, what you put to work there um, to other people to know that it, it can be done without, you know, an expensive mentorship program or, or some sort of uh, large financial investment. Cause I don't want people to think, that, you know, oh, I don't have that money. I can't do these things. You can, mm -hmm. you can, it's, you, you, there are ways to find your way into it. And then, and then the money will come, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta put in the work. Um, yeah. So, and, and what you said, it's like, not just not having the money, not having the mentor, you know, and I, it's kind of hard to say this, but, you know, we create these excuses of why we're not to where we want to be, you know, internally. And if we can get past that, why I don't have money, why I don't have the right knowledge, why I don't have friends that actually are making money. And if you use that to an excuse, if you use that as an excuse, it'll be true. Right. Yeah. And, and getting past that it really gets us way further than we should be. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, so you didn't like being a realtor because you weren't necessarily able to help the people that that you wanted to help, that you felt like were were like you. So tell me about that sort of transition from or into, you know, towards mobile home parks and, you know, kind of what, what sparked that? And then, you know, what steps did you take to, to get into that space? Yeah. 
So I guess it came in in phases, right? I mean, the first phase was getting stable and financially secure to be able to support my family. And I think during that, it was desperate times to just whatever it took to get me a dollar in the account so that I can make, you know, I can pay for rent and that sort of thing. But after, I think people go through the next phase, which is once you make enough to be comfortable, you start to feel like, hey, how can I create an impact to the world, right? And, and I think that has a lot to do with kind of your title and what's your why. And I, and for some weird reason, I just didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't, I knew there was something inside of me that wanted to do something that created impact. And I think this re resonates with a lot of younger generations there is they want to create an impact. They want to make a difference, right? And I know there's a lot of content out there and a lot of people that are chasing the dollar and the and, and the money. But for me, it really wasn't that. I wanted to build something that would make a difference for even just one family out there that's that was going through the struggle that I was going through, going through the pain that I was going through. Because I experienced that pain, I knew that if I could just make someone's pain a little bit easier, that I could make a difference in that in that family's future wealth building journey and in, in, in their for generations, right? And I know that creating just one more affordable home for a family that might need it could create an impact that really creates a ripple effect for the future for anyone, right? And and knowing that there's good people that don't have the financial freedom. And I, I say freedom a lot because I feel like financial freedom is the new freedom that this country needs to create opportunities for. But I wanted to make something that would make it equal uh, for everybody, whether it's middle class, middle income earners, to be able to have that sense of freedom and financial security. And I really deep studied in a wormhole, like, why is it this way? Why is it that the middle class uh, have this amount of resources and why is it that the wealthy are able to acquire more real estate? Why is it that the wealthy is making these financial decisions? What are the educations and what are the actual things that the wealthy know that the middle class doesn't? Because there's so much that I wish I knew back when I was in those shoes that I wasn't taught back then, right? And and a lot of it is building our net worth, right? And, and paying down an asset that we own. We don't understand, I didn't understand that, you know, even though it's an equivalent payment, when I'm paying for rent, all I'm paying it for is temporary shelter for that month. When a homeowner is paying a mortgage, it might be the same payment. However, a lot of that's going toward something that they own, something that has an upside chance of appreciation, and they also get tax benefits later down the line. And they get to have an asset that they can leverage to get a second property. Right. And these are things that if I known back then, I would have fought harder to to own homes and own assets way earlier down the line. Right. But unfortunately, we aren't really taught this in school. We're not taught this in high school. We're not taught this in college. Um, but a lot of the wealthy are taught this through association, through friends that they know. Right. And it becomes this hidden knowledge that I want to really educate more people um, that were in my shoes back then. And, and it just became this journey of wanting to create that impact and share, you know, that's why we have this YouTube channel that talk about the differences with owning and renting and, and how do we get to ourselves to that level to get out of that rat race. 
um, and create these stepping stones through building these mobile homes that create affordable housing for everyone too. Yeah. So you, you got into mobile homes. Now, are you, is that local to you? Is that in, in California? Is that all over the country? What, what uh, markets are you focused on? Yeah. So most of our business really so it started in San Jose in the Silicon Valley, and then we spread around the Bay Area. And then now we're doing business in the LA market, the San Diego market. And we do a lot of consulting for park owners in other areas and uh, mainly metro areas like Austin, Vegas, um, Atlanta, that sort of thing. Uh, but the, the main concept is is we work with government entities and help them understand like why this is good for society as well. Um, because if we really look and dial into the problem, uh, I can kind of talk about our area in the Silicon Valley and it might relate to your area in LA, but these numbers that I'm going to say might be higher than most, but the ratios will be uh, pretty much similar. So in our area, rent for a two bedroom apartments about $3,500 a month. Buying a single family home is about $1.6 million. That's a median priced home. Uh, now, how does someone that's renting ever dream of coming up with, let's say 10%, about $160,000 down to make a mortgage and a housing payment of $8,000 a month? How do you go from renting to owning single family. It's very difficult if you just have one or two jobs to make that huge leap. And what I love about mobile homes is that it's a perfect in-between. It's a perfect stepping stone. That's like a hybrid model of home ownership, right? You you own the, the mobile home itself, but you don't own the land. And, and the pro to that is that the payments are pretty equivalent to what you're paying for rent. So an average mobile home in our area is about $300,000. And that's a three bedroom, two bath, decent mobile home. Uh, you're, you pay about a thousand a month on the space rent and your mortgage is about $2,500 or $2,700 a month. So your total housing payment, I'm sorry, I skipped a step, but a down payment for a $300,000 home would typically be about $30,000 instead of $160,000, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a much easier entry-level home and a starting point for them to own a home, spend 30K on a down payment. I spend about $3,700 a month on my monthly mortgage. You know, this is only a little bit more than what they would be paying for renting an apartment, which is actually a bigger home. And then they also get to get those benefits that we were talking about that go towards home ownership. You get the upside of the appreciation. You get to leverage the loan to build your net worth. You get a lot of the tax benefits, right? And then just by living in that home for five years, they get to have equity. They get to have a difference of about $70,000 just by shifting from, one, from rent to this mobile home that they're going to be able to sell to then use that money to purchase single family home later down the line, right? But the key thing is understanding what are the myths? What are the realistic numbers? What is this home worth? And using it to your benefit, using it as a stepping stone to getting out of that rat race and creating opportunity. Um, but that's basically a lot of what we do. Yeah. And I think I think you'll talk a little bit about this, but I, the you mentioned this sort of in the beginning, but basically the, I, th I think a lot of people 
are going to be probably pretty shocked by some of the numbers you just threw out there. Mm-hmm. One, I think, you know, people that don't live here in California maybe don't have the same cost of living that we do. Although I think a lot of the cities at this point aren't that far off. You know, I, I've lived in Houston, I've lived in Charlotte, I've lived in Boston. I mean, th- these are big cities. You're going to have uh, similarly priced real estate. Yes, California might mm-hmm. be slightly higher and and certainly, uh, you know, Silicon Valley, the Bay Area, Northern California is probably maybe with the exception of New York City, the most expensive real estate in the country. Having said that, you're absolutely right. Like the ratios are fairly similar, like cost to buy a house, cost to rent. Uh, Also your incomes, the income ratios to the, are going to be probably pretty similar um, in throughout different countries, different parts of the country. Then you, then you talked about, you know, kind of the price to rent a two bedroom apartment. I, that's consistent with what I would expect in that area. What kind of shocked me and what, people might think have question marks about is you say you're saying basically you, you can spend the same amount for a mobile home and i think that's the perception of a mobile home that, that some people might be right off the bat i'm not paying $3500 a month for a mobile home you know that kind of uh attitude mm-hmm. towards it but but the points that you're making about it being a stepping stone are are really very very smart and and what I want this is sort of a long-winded way of getting to this question, but you mentioned kind of some of the transformations you're doing with some with these mobile homes, and that's a little bit that's your you know part of your business model right now. Mm-hmm. I think what what maybe people have in their heads as what it what they look like is probably not really exactly what you're talking about, right? So, mm. um, tell us. Tell us about that. Tell us about what, you know, if someone, someone's going to come in and they're going to pay that $3,500, $3,700 a month for the mobile home. What does that look like in terms of space, size, amenities, that kind of thing? What what's what goes along with it? Yeah, it cut out for a little bit, but I think I heard a lot of what you said. But the, the first part of what you said too, yes, yes on the ratios. The ratios are going to be different. So just to compare, like in Atlanta or Houston, let's say the house price, the real estate price could be about 450000 The rental price could be about 1200 And then the mobile home is could still be that stepping stone in between of about $130,000, right? Just like an ugly home in California could be a million dollars. And that same home in Houston could be four hundred thousand dollars right and and, but it is like you said the ratios in different areas that's just kind of how it is um are are always going to be um different so i don't want people to be steered away because we're talking about california here but the whole gist of it is is that it's relatable in many different areas but yes the type of when we talk about association with mobile homes a lot of people have in honesty, the the most of the general public are our, our stigmas and our associations with mobile homes only come from the media. It only comes from what we see on TV. And what TV shows us is these are for drug dealers. These are for horrible quality homes. These are for people that smoke cigarettes and look like trailer trash. And that's kind of how the media portrays this to be, right? 
But just like apartment buildings, if you understand apartments, there's horrible apartment complexes. You don't want your kids you know, playing around, but there's also luxury apartments as well. And it's that same spectrum for mobile home parks. Yes, there are mobile home parks that look like they do in the movies that make us look bad, but there's a full spectrum. And there's tons of mobile home parks that are beautiful and look like a resort that have tennis courts in them, that has saunas, steam rooms, swimming pools, and gyms in, the, in their communities. And they shouldn't be completely written off as a whole trailer trash look, right? So first is yeah. getting past that, that, um, that stigma. And the other is the people in these communities, right? The, we have the people in these communities, there's, they're humble people. These are people, these are teachers, these are construction workers and waiters and bartenders uh, and, and people that live in these communities. And, you know, if you're in our area, like these are great locations that are near great schools that are near, like we have parks across the street from Google. We have parks across the street from Samsung and in prime locations and, and um, very safe locations as well. But the um and then the the other part you wanted me to talk about was really what's the lifestyle like in these communities right it's actually a beautiful thing because what you'll find is a lot of the people that live in these communities they have an investment everyone that lives in the these parks and that live in these mobile homes have an investment in their home which means they want to take care of that home which means they that they have a shared relationship with their neighbors they take care of their yard they have community events like christmas gatherings uh or or um or any form of gatherings and you'll see a sense of community more than you would in an apartment complex because they have similar problems they have similar uh, issues that they want to get across and and they get to know their neighbors because they're close to each other and and it's such a beautiful thing and i think it's something that shouldn't be overlooked um, and this, and and you mentioned transformations. Yes, you know we have a lot of these old homes that work for a certain amount of people, and then there's also these homes that are become too small for a family. They want an extra bedroom. Uh, they don't have an alternative home that they can move out of the mobile home to get a single family home. So what we do is we advise them like, hey, we can help you convert your old 700 square foot home and build out an 1800 square foot brand new home just to look like a brand new build would look in a single family home with drywall, with quartz countertops, with fireproof exterior and shingles and roof and, and really beautiful, a beautiful home and converting what people used to see as a bad thing into now even nicer than most single family homes are built out today. And that's really how we're planning on shape, reshaping and, and showcasing how beautiful mobile homes are is by pushing these stigmas. And that's why our YouTube channel has been popular is because people are like, wow, this is beautiful. And then they're like, wow, wait a second, this is a mobile home? There's no way, right? And I know we we're talking about this on a podcast, but until you really see this visually, you won't believe it. And and the way we're building these homes are just revolutionary. And and I could talk again about a, one of the big parts of our affordable housing crisis is that the cost of building a home 
is going up and up and getting more and more difficult. That's part of why housing is such an issue right now. And just like how cars were originally built for the wealthy, it was only until we were building cars in a, on an assembly line in a streamlined fashion that we were able to make cars accessible for everyone. And that's exactly what we're working on doing in the mobile home space. We're building these homes in a factory on an assembly line and building them at a very effective rate to keep the cost of construction way lower while keeping the quality at a very high rate. And that's exactly what we're doing. And, and it's already being done now. And that's how we're able to keep these homes very affordable. Um, I know there's a lot that I said there, but uh, those are a lot of the key components to mobile homes that I feel that I feel most people don't see. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, it's it's funny um, that we're sort of talking about this. I, I just very recently got um, a, a email uh, with a with a listing here in the Los Angeles market for a mobile home park. And you used the word resort earlier. And I, I looked at it and the, that's that's what I thought. I looked at the pictures and I was like, this is this is beautiful. Like this is a, a very, very nice looking homes. The grounds are perfectly kept. There's a pool, like there, there's amenities. It's, it's like you said, and, it, and it's kind of ironic to me how um, tiny homes are like a, a thing, like a, like a trend, right? People, everybody wants to, to build and, and buy or live in tiny homes. And it's like, well, that's what it's, it's, it's a mobile home. It's, it's not, it's, it's not very different, right? It's, it's, here's an, here's a already existing asset class of a very similar product. Um, and I think, I, I just, I don't know if you agree with that, but it's just kind of the, the point that you're making about being able to make them, uh, upgrade them, make them, you know, on par comparable to what, you know, your, your sort of traditional single family house might be like, I think is, is just, uh, something that pe people need to know about both from an investment standpoint, but, but importantly, as you mentioned, the, the affordability, uh, housing, affordable housing crisis that we have, it, you know, it's, it's, um, certainly prevalent here in California. So I think, um, it, it, it can be a really, um, I don't know, valuable resource to, to the, to the, I guess, population as a whole. Yeah. And just to be seen as an option. I mean, because because regardless if, if you agree with me or not, people are going through with building their wealth through mobile homes. Right. And and, and that's a key thing is that people should understand that it is an option, yeah. not that it's either rent or buy. Right. And, and I think people get paralysis of hoping that one day I'm going to just make a lot more and I'm going to be able to afford a single family home later down the yeah. line. But unfortunately, the reality of that's very, very difficult. Um, and, and the other is the other thing I want to mention, just like how you had that revelation with seeing that park is once we get past our associations from what we see on TV and actually look into what parks are available, we'll actually come to find out that this isn't a bad place. This is actually a great option. And it's, it's just like what you said, it's the same for everyone that sees these homes and goes into these communities. I always, every day get like, wow, this is a mobile home. I didn't think that they could look like this, right? And yeah. and it, it's about time that we realize that this is a great option for society and it's a great option to start people's wealth building journey. And it's 
a perfect solution for affordable housing. It's not just a rent reduced option that the government provides. And then they're at the end of them renting, they end up with nothing. It's a wealth building tool and a perfect financial tool for these hardworking class citizens. The, the teachers, like the, I keep talking about teachers because unfortunately teachers aren't paid well enough to be able to stay in areas like our area. And and I love helping these teachers be able to get into a mobile home. And they're so grateful because they're like, wow, if I didn't live in a mobile home, I know I, would, I wouldn't be able to live here because all of my coworkers are moving out to the outskirts, to other states, because they can't afford living here anymore. And all of these good people are being stripped away of their opportunity of just being able to live in an area. And mobile homes are a perfect way for people to get that sense of security. And, and uh, yeah, people just should see it as an option and should actually see for themselves what they look like and what these communities are like as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it is uh, pretty eye-opening to, you know, kind of see such a nice, <laughs> like really, really, like I said, of, like it looked resort. It was like the, the homes were beautiful. The, the amenities and grounds were beautiful. I mean, it's, it is a very, very good option. Um, well, Franco, I, I want to switch gears here. I want to get to ask you the questions that I ask every guest. Um, and the first one is, is always, it's always related to the name of the show being Know Your Why, but uh, I know you've touched on some of this, but I, but I want to give you the chance to expand and and tell the listeners, you know, what is your why? What drives you? Um, you know, to you're you're obviously having uh, more and more success and and um, you know reaching a impact level in your life. And so so what what keeps pushing you forward? I think it's you know, kind of like what I talked about earlier is when I was an agent just chasing commissions it. It, it was cool for a while, but it really wasn't fulfilling. And, and it was only until I, I still tear up today when I help a family that felt like they could never afford a home. And when I see them get that success of finally owning something, and when I see them so happy, I still tear up. And it's so, it gives me so much energy and it makes me just want to help more and more. And it's not it's not the money. And I feel like people should find that thing that they can create that impact and want to build more. And that energy of what I got from helping a family made me want to wake up the next day and help another family, make me want to learn more on how I could do this and multiply it and, and, and keep creating. And I think when you do find that why it, it, it really is a life-changing moment. And, and for me, it's, it's fixing a past problem and a past horrible, painful years that I went through and knowing that I helped a family avoid that or help a family get out of that is my why. And, and creating stepping stones is, is just what I'm so passionate about. And I couldn't ask for more. Um, and I hope that, you know, people out there that are wanting to become an entrepreneur or whatever should also find that same why or find a why that will make a difference and when you find that you, the opportunities are endless and you'll figure it out one way or the other yeah yeah completely agree um i i think it's, i just love you know kind of when people reach that point of uh finding their passion that their, their passion towards having an impact towards you know sort of giving back it, it's really just such a powerful point in our lives um, 
My second question for you, Franco, tell us something about yourself that uh, isn't common knowledge, special skill, a hobby, anything that'll kind of let the listeners know you a little bit better. Um, you know, when I was getting into graphic design, I've always been an artist. I always love art and my, my hobby and my, my, uh, I've always wanted to be a videographer and I love video. And I think that's my, my side fun hobby is we make a lot of videos around small businesses and restaurants and that sort of thing. And, um, I love creating video. And I think Very it's cool. an art in itself. And that's something I love doing for fun. Yeah. It, I mean, it's also an extremely valuable <laughs> skill to have right now with, with uh, in sort of marketing being um, such an important part of business uh, in general. So that that's great. Um, when people hear this and they want to reach out, what's the best way for them to find you? Um, all of our stuff is at www.franco.tv. You can find links of what our homes look like. You can see videos of how we build these homes. You can see informational stuff about um, how this works financially and how it gets people out of that rat race. Or you could Google us at Franco Mobile Homes. Um, our team does a good job of creating YouTube stuff and and all of that. Uh, but I, I do urge you to, if you're listening and you haven't seen what this looks like, to to see for yourself um, the finished work and, and and that sort of thing, because we're very proud of what we've done. Yeah, yeah, um, very cool. We'll get that in the show notes so people can see it. When uh, final question for you: when, when you talking to people who want to get started investing, they're they're looking to become a real estate investor. What do you tell them? What piece of advice do you give them? to get them started, just kind of, um, you know, they see your success, they want to follow in your footprints, footsteps. How do you tell them to get started? Oh, that's a tough one. I think, um, I think it comes down to finding what you are passionate about. I, was that question around being a real estate investor or just like growing it as Honestly, a personal? You can take it however you like whatever you feel passionate about. I mean, someone getting started, whether that's as a real estate yeah. investor, a broker, even I business-wise, yeah, whatever you think. The main thing for me is understanding that the resources is out there. And I know we talked about this a bit, but it's really another level to take information and to connect the dots for yourself and, and not be afraid of executing on things on information that you can get online, right? And and it's all about that one word being resourceful. And I think that's really what's changed who I am. Like I was, you know, with whatever I'm doing, you know, I'm there's other entities that have more resources, that have more money, that have families with money that aren't, that I find aren't excelling. And, and when I look back, it's really the fact of being resourceful of what you have. And, and, having coming from having nothing and being in credit card debt and all of that and being at the lowest of the low I've ever felt possible and and getting out of that through being resourceful through books and through YouTube and through um podcasts it, it's it really comes to say that anything's possible and if you could just learn be resourceful and gather the information and use it it's out there and you don't need anything else 
Yeah, no, that's great advice. Um, and, and I, had any, I had every excuse to kind of like blame the world of why I'm, I'm where I'm at. And I know that I was doing that for a while, but you, you could do it. Um, I know it's cliche, but you could do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't let yourself be a victim. Uh, use what you have and, and get out there and, um, put it to work and, and use your, be resourceful. I, I love that. I love that advice. Um, Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on the show, taking the time out to share your story. Uh, I think what you're doing is is fascinating. And, and again, really, I think valuable to, you know, kind of society as a whole, especially in regards to that affordable housing problem that we do have. Appreciate that, man. And and I love what you're doing, sharing people's why, and, and that's going to help create, you know, help inspire people as well. So I appreciate being on here. Thank you so much. Uh, and folks listening, I know you're going to get a lot of value out of this episode with Franco. Please check out his website. We'll put it in the show notes. And um, please like, rate, and review the show so we can get more great guests in the future. Thank you all for listening. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.